Ironhead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 28th of November 2021. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week on Advent Sunday we took a special look at the persecuted church around the world. Also we looked at the audacity of hope and the reading is 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 23. Let's go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. And welcome. Um, lovely to be a... Am- Oh, hello. Lovely to be among you and with you, and to worship God with you this morning, our amazing, awesome, holy Lord. The notices for the week are as per the notice sheet itself. There are a few additions um, and amendments. The first thing is to say that Becca Orpin, hi Becca, where she was here a minute ago, she's one, she's one that, she'll be back in a minute, um, is... Uh, Asking if any of us that are able to give any brand new toys um, for an appeal that's going across Somerset called Christmas Sparkle, if you could either see her or there'll be a box for these toys out, out in the foyer for the next couple of weeks just for us to put them in. Basically, last year there were 12 to 13 families, specifically in Minehead, this charity gave to, who would, where the children would not have had a toys but for the fact that folk gave. So just as our response, if you want to know more about that Christmas sparkle pill and what it means, please see Becca. Um, but the box to receive them will be out in the foyer next week and the week after. And then it'll all be collected. So you've got a couple of weeks to do that if you wish to. Hi, Becca. That's Becca in case you wondered who that was. <laughs> Secondly, to say that I know Mark. Is Mark around somewhere? Mark, you've got a couple of Christmas notices. Um, while Mark comes up, can I ask if there's anyone here or folk here that can help Lisa afterwards with the tea and coffee? That would be brilliant because at the moment there's just Lisa. Aww. Oh, bigger rather than that. There's just Lisa. Thank you. So if you can help Lisa, if there's a whole gang of us, that would be brilliant. Just help Lisa with tea and coffee, Mark. Oh, and there is cake afterwards. We'll come to that in a moment. Okay, as you can tell, first Sunday of Advent, Christmas is coming, yes! Um, So what we've got is all the youngsters, okay, if today, at the end of the service, if you've not already had one, because some of you might if you've been to toddler group or something like that, we've got an Advent calendar to give you, okay? I know, the problem is, Ted, there's no chocolate. Sorry, right? There's no chocolate beneath me, but there are little pictures in there. And then each day from the website, there will be a link onto the YouTube channel and there will be a little video. Okay? If adults, if you've got a grandchild that you'd like to post one to, again, come and see me and I've got some that you can take and post them off before Wednesday because that's the 1st of December. So that's for that, okay? Advent calendars, okay? I've spent, I don't know how many hours cutting out windows. It takes a long time. (laughs) But that's that bit. What's the next one? Youth Club. Our favourite time of the year at Youth Club is our Christmas party. It probably is the best night of the year because we play a game called the Christmas Present Game. And the Christmas present game is where we all get, get dished out lots of playing cards and we go and help ourselves to about two to three hundred presents that will be in the middle of the room. And when we've used, got all the presents out, we then nick them off our friends, okay, as the game proceeds. As you can imagine, two to three hundred presents is a lot of presents. I always ask the youngsters to bring one good present and one bad present. And they have to wrap them up beautifully so you don't know which is which. So at the end of the game, when you open your presents, you might end up with a load of rubbish or you might end up with some good presents. It's a bit of a, I was going to say lottery, but you can't say that in church, can you? No, I won't say that then. All right, all right, okay. I won't say that. Um, It's that sort of game. This year we've decided, uh, because normally me and Sally would buy a load of new toys and presents and things for that game, okay? We're not going to buy anything new this year. We want to do it recycled. So we've sent, told all the youngsters that their good present has got to be recycled and their bad present can be recycled. That could be fun, couldn't it? Mm. (laughs) Um, 
things going on in my head. So what I'd like to know is from you, if you've got any things that you think a teenager would like in your house. So you might have had a present that's been given to you and you've not opened or not used. Or you might have something that you've used but it's virtually brand new but you're never going to use it again. Okay? Could you bring it to the church? I'm here most days so that we can have recycled presents for that game and not brand new ones. We're trying to save the planet the best way we can and that's from not buying new stuff. Is that okay? Mm. Right? Thank you very much. Don't forget your advent calendars. It is, of course, the beginning of Advent, and um, it's lovely to see that happening. There's stuff going to be happening across the Advent season. Lorraine's going to come and tell us about, well, a way we can bless our community up at the Hub and bless each other here in a few weeks' time. I don't know about you, but it creeps up on me every year, Advent's. What happened? So on the 12th at the Hub, we have a service, and at the 19th here at 6pm, we have our carol service. And two years ago now, um, we put together what we called a scratch choir. This is a choir of people who love to worship God and love to sing with each other. If you would like to be part of that, could you just give me your name afterwards? We usually end it's all well known what we sing, and we usually end up with maybe, if we're lucky, one rehearsal. <laughs> but we love to sing together, um, and I think you probably can remember that we had that two years ago. So if you would like to be part of that, could you let me know after the service? Thank you. Okay, we're getting there, and there's just two more things. The first is to say, as we said, there's cake after the service. That's because, hi, Sheila. It's Sheila's birthday today. Hi, Clive. It's Clive's birthday today. From us all to you both, happy birthday. No, we won't do it. If we sang every time, <laughs> but we'll say happy birthday to you, is that okay? Oh, there is one other quick notice, and it is this. It's all about, it's oh, two notices about this. The first is to say that many of you will see the wonderful tree which has already got some angels on it. Remember those paper angels we invited you to make? We're gathering some angels outside in the foyer. Please take a, a template from Mark later on in the service, or after the service, and make an angel for us and we'll put it up. And we're gathering the angels together, together and we think there are either. There's probably over a flock of angels. Is it a flock of angels? A host of angels. One place I looked, a pinhead of angels. Whatever the collective noun for angels is, we're gathering them out there and we'll use them to decorate our church this Christmas. Lastly, the reason for putting those angels on the Christmas tree is partly, of course, that we have a Christmas tree appeal here. And this year, our appeal is going towards Open Doors work with persecuted children around the world. If you'd like to give a gift to that, please put your contribution into one of the little bags that are down by the tree and hang it on the tree, and Sunday by Sunday we'll collect that. If you'd like to give a gift of money in lieu of sending cards to everyone, to your church family, then please feel free to do that and then display a card on the notice board outside for the whole church. In one sense, friends... This is how we can help the persecuted church in a very simple way. So that's our Christmas tree appeal this year. As we said, we're going to come and think of open doors uh, this morning. Um, over there on the, where, near where Richard is are um, two sheets of paper. They're actually an angel and a star. Um, they're there specifically for all of us to take. And open doors this year are encouraging all of us, including our children who will do this throughout Advent, to write a message on those. Either so that you can keep it and remind yourself to pray daily for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Or, if you write a message on there and you give me the whole of the paperback, please do not take the angel out because it just makes it really complicated. I've agreed with Open Doors that I'll scan them in, but you need to do this in the next two weeks so I can do this. 
And then they're going to send our messages to Iran. To our persecuted brothers and sisters in Iran. So if you'd like to send a message of hope, then please can I invite you to take a star or an angel. Try and keep within the lines. That just helps open doors of me in terms of scanning. And we'll send them to them. It's also true to say that when COVID struck, about a month after COVID struck, our plan was to invite, we had invited rather, Andy Worthington, who is the, the um, head of church relationships at Open Doors, to come and speak to us. He did do that message via video link and we used it. But there was another reason Andy was coming. Because he wanted to say thank you to this church and we wanted to say thank you to someone specific. In order to help us do that this morning, Andy's recorded this short video. Hi, Minehead Baptist Church. My name's Andy. I'm from Open Doors. And I just want to say a big thank you to you as a church for your ongoing prayer and support for the persecuted church around the world. I've heard from Paul that this Christmas you're going to be doing a Christmas tree appeal to raise funds for Open Doors and the persecuted church. And also I've heard that the young people are going to be writing letters to children from the persecuted church. And I just want to say this is going to have such a big impact and an encouragement to so many persecuted Christians around the world this Christmas. And so thank you so much for all that you are doing. But the person who I, I really want to say a big thank you to today is Jill Keeling. Jill, thank you so much for all that you have done for so many years in supporting our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. I know that for the last 23 years, you've been a prayer group leader, leading prayers for our persecuted family around the world. Brother Andrew says that we may not be able to go and visit or be with um, Christians around the world who are persecuted for their faith, but our prayers can go there and they do make a big difference. So that the years of prayer that you have uh, invested in the persecuted church, uh, I'm sure one day you'll discover just how much um, that has meant and the impact that has had on so many Christians around the world. And also our records say that for the last 11 years, oh no, sorry, 14 years, you've been a, a church rep or church ambassador um, for Minehead Baptist Church and, and Open Doors. And again, thank you so much for all that you have done. It means so much, not only to us here at Open Doors, but to, to the 340 million Christians around the world who share our faith, but not our freedom. I've also heard that you went on a trip as well many years ago um, to China and uh, smuggled Bibles. And well, that must have been amazing. And um, just the privilege of being able to put a Bible in the hand of a believer that was so desperate for one. So thank you, Jill, so much for all that you have done and all that you uh, continue to do as, as you pray for the persecuted church. Thank you so much. God bless you. Jill, it was my... Jill, it was my privilege to take some time with Andy to discuss all that you had done and learn from him as I also told him. But actually, it was also a privilege to hear how he understood that you had stood for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we may have gently thanked you, but I want to thank you even more. Thank you for being an example to us and standing. Oh, right. Just one more. Oh, one more notice. Are we there? Thank you, Steve. Just one more note. The, the stewards usually get very twitchy when I'm leading the service because they never know when the offerings... Thing. But actually, it's the last song. So we'll get that out of the way. It's the last song, so we don't, don't have to worry. You can relax and worship the Lord and join with us. So let's, let's sing. I've chosen this as an Advent song. It isn't an Advent song, but I thought it was very appropriate. It's the, the promise. It's the promise of the ages.
Anybody remember it? Yeah, thank you, John. Right? You, you're happy to do a solo then, John? Right? <laughs> okay. We stand and sing. So, for our young people, how many Sundays before Christmas? It's a big clue. Four, including today. That's really good. Thank you, Ted. That's amazing. Over the years, those four candles that we light Sunday by Sunday have meant many different things in many different situations. This year, across Advent, we will, as a church, be looking at how Jesus is not only born as a baby in a stable, but also look forward to his coming again. So this year, we light our candles to remember all that Jesus has brought us and will bring us when he comes again. We light them not just a sign that he has come, but as a sign that he will come. I'm going to invite Richard to light our first candle for hope. The hope of the world will yet still bring more hope to the world. Friends, Sunday by Sunday, we will remember the second for joy, the third for peace, the fourth for love. But today, we think of hope. Father God, we pray that the hope of the world might be ours in and through and with you. And we pray for the day when you come again. Hope restored and reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Some familiar words from uh, Matthew's Gospel, from chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now because Mary and Joseph were engaged and yet to consummate their marriage, judgmental remarks would inevitably follow news of Mary's pregnancy. Joseph sought to minimize this by quietly divorcing her until an angel stepped in to halt his plans. Now in many countries, following Jesus is considered a shameful act. Someone who knows this well is Alia, and this is in Iran. Iran is quite often in the news. You know how oppressive the regime is. Alia, who is just 10 years old. I'm sorry, she says, I can't show you my face. This would be dangerous for me and my parents. Alia lives in, in Iran, where being a Christian from a Muslim background is considered a crime. For Alia's family, this means Christmas must be celebrated in secret and at a different time of year. We wait until January, and on my own birthday, we celebrate Christmas and Christ's birth as well. In this way, we don't raise suspicion, and the celebrations don't sound unusual to our neighbors. Dear God, help our family who are accused of wrongdoing to stand strong in your love. Amen. We're just going to continue in, in, in Matthew from verses 20 to 24, continuing the story of Joseph. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her, until she gave birth to a son, 
and he gave him the name Jesus. Moving on to Iraq, the story of Rafif. Rafif, Rafif's mother was pregnant with her when Radif, her father, was tragically killed while trying to warn a bus carrying Christian students of a bomb targeted at them. Radif's heroic actions saved lives, but cost him his. At the Center of Hope, funded with your support, Rafif begins learning about Christmas in November during Christian education classes. We help the children to tell the story of Christmas in their own words or through a little play, shares Mrs. Moshrik, the, the head teacher. On Christmas Day, they contribute to the service. We're just going to see a video now for, of its Rafif's story. Thank you, Brian. Christmas is like a tradition in the whole world. You... You give gifts to each other, of course secretly, without knowing who gave it to you. You decorate the tree, you have fun with your relatives, you giggle, you laugh, and Christmas is always lovely because you sit with the lovely people you know. My dad's name was Radif. One day he was at work, he was working, and he saw there was a bump when the students were going into the bus and they were going to their college to study. But he stopped and waved with his hand and was shouting, stop, stop moving. The bump didn't bump on them, it bumped on him, so he got injured and he died. Uh, people and my mom always say that he saved many people's lives and that he's a hero. I miss my dad because he's not there in Christmas. He can't celebrate it with me. Sometimes I kind of tell God that why did you do this? Why did you take him away? But the other times I think that because he was a good person, uh, God took him up to heaven. The most thing I like is that we, we will learn about God more. We will get educated with Christian things. And the second thing I like is that we learn new stories. Some of the prophets, they save other life's people, which is the same thing as my dad did. So I think that that's the same person inside that book. It's my dad. Now, normally you'd have Mark, and he's an expert. Today you have me. I'm not so much of an expert when it comes to children and young people and talks and stuff. So, over the past few weeks, I have been trying to perfect a trick. This morning is its big reveal. Now, just to let you know my trick, I can fold a piece of paper and pour about, well, it used to be about an egg cup full of liquid into the paper and hold it over someone's head and then not get wet. But that's not really much of a trick, is it? So I've tried to perfect the trick so that I can do it with about half a pint of liquid. <laughs> and then I realised something, actually, which is you wouldn't be able to see it unless I made the liquid something like Ribena. So you can see over here is a jug of Ribena. And just to prove that I'm not cheating, I'm going to take a Sharpie and mark where the Ribena is now. Then you'll be able to see that I'm actually holding the liquid once I've folded the paper. Is that okay? Got that? Good. So here we go. 
Okay, there's the, there's the, the mark. Um, now, if this goes horribly wrong, we could have Ribena all over the stage. But I wonder, that doesn't feel like jeopardy to me somehow. What would be really good is if I could do this trick holding this stuff over someone's head. But I've got to be honest, I don't know the trick well enough to trust it over any of your heads. So, Richard, would you come on? Okay. <laughs> this is where, friends, hope becomes reality. Right? So, just to, just to prove this is a normal sheet of newspaper. There you go. Whoops. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fold it in a very secret way, Richard, so that I can actually hold this stuff above your head. It might go horribly wrong. Are you insured? <laughs> no? Okay. You've got to send me the... Oh, that fills me with all sorts of love. Thank you, Richard, for being so loving. Now I have... There we go. Now I've folded that into a cone. Can you see the cone shape? Here we go then. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to tip this into there and hold it above his head as I do it. If all goes wrong, well, it's only him that's getting wet. <laughs> if all goes well, this is a really cool trick. Here we go. Can you see? Can you sort of see my jug? I'm going to hold it up. Can you see that? I've got. Now, let me ask a question. I want you to honestly vote. Who's hoping that he gets wet? <laughs> Richard, are you hoping that you'll get wet? Not really. Not really. <laughs> Our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world have a hope that's real and audacious. It's not like a magic trick. It's the hope that one day Jesus Christ, soon that Jesus Christ will come again. That persecution will be a thing of the past. And that his won't be a magic trick, but a real life event. And that's my message for you this morning. Now I don't know what to do with this because I've got to put it back in the... <laughs> oh, hold on. And actually, sorry, it is me. Sorry, Roy. You've got I'm just going to say, is it nice being a minister in training? You can yeah, yeah, you get all the good jobs. You won't believe how long that took me to perfect. <laughs> um, okay, thanks for being my stooge, Richard. We're going to pray in a minute, but before we do, our young fast starters are going to leave. Father, we pray for our young fast starters that they may have a time that's full of you, be blessed by you, and Lord, they may learn more of you and of their persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. And they, this Christmas time, this Advent season, may have true hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're a younger fast starter, you're going to leave. If you're an older fast starter, you're staying. Have I got that right, Mark? I'm looking to Mark for confirmation. Please pray for our young people as they go. Bye, guys. This, this was, I'm not quite sure how much of a clue to give. <laughs> Bye. Lovely to see you. Bye, Ted. If the younger guys are going to go out, go see Mark at the back. There you go. Um, it's true to say that I, I actually once did that at a school assembly and did get the kid wet. <laughs> Luckily, that time it was only water. <laughs> this time it would have been a whole lot more messier, wouldn't it, really? Friends, it's good to uh, acknowledge the fact that this is a broken world from time to time. 
And our community has been hurt and touched this week, of course, at the school. I want to invite Becca to come forward with me. Becca? Okay. And to pray. Okay, okay to still do this, because I know it affects you personally. Becca is one of the teachers at the school up the road in West Somerset College, which, of course, has been directly affected by the murder of the Chappelles this week. Friends, let's pray and join Becca and the school in prayer. I invite you to pray with me. Um, Dear Lord, as you know, this week has been extremely difficult for all staff and students at West Somerset, which there are um, at least three members of staff in this congregation, as well as um, young people who have been directly affected um, by the tragedy um, of the murder of uh, Mr. Chapel and his wife. Um, Lord, we just really pray for his children that were left behind in this tragedy. Lord, his two young children um, who were sleeping upstairs at the time. Lord, we pray for them that you will give them some peace, some comfort and some hope at this tragic time, Lord. Lord, I pray for the staff, the students and the community in general, Lord. Those that knew Steve and his wife Jenny um, would know um, would be at a loss at this time and I just pray for comfort for them, Lord. Um, I don't know Steve's heart in terms of you, Lord, but you do. Um, but he was the nicest man you would ever meet. Um, So we are all shaken at this time, and this grieving process is going to be slow. Lord, I just pray that you will comfort us at this time. Look after us all, Lord, and especially his children. Amen. Just going to share a reading with you. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, Father God, we bring, oh, we bring the whole of the school, the Chappelle family, those two young children, before you. You who are mercy and love and peace and truth, be with them today, we pray. And Father God, if we are able as a church to help in any way, Help us to have the spirit of generosity to help, to reach out, to pray, and to love. We pray for Sally and Becca and all of those of this church that are associated with the school. May we hug them, love them, understand them, bring them before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me and the rest of the church in prayer. Can I invite you to carry on praying for the school and the situation there, for that young young family, not just today, but tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Thank you very much. Let's stand and sing. privilege to be able to come together to adore Jesus. Millions of our brothers and sisters around the world are unable to do this in safety or indeed at all. Open Doors produces a world watch list of the top 50 countries where following Jesus costs the most. If a country does not appear on this list, it does not mean There is no persecution there, just that there are at least 50 other countries 
where it is more dangerous to follow Jesus. North Korea is at number one. And at number two is Afghanistan. And we are going to hear about a young couple, Saeed and Fatima, who chose to stay in Afghanistan following the recent Taliban takeover. Thank you, Brian. Sa'ad and Fatima are used to the dangers of living for Jesus in Afghanistan. Their families have practiced their Christian faith in the shadows for over 40 years. Now that the Taliban rule has returned, secret believers are at even greater risk. But Sa'ad and Fatima have decided to stay, and here they ask for our prayers. The first thing you need to know about Afghanistan is that this isn't anything new. Of course, it's the first time it's happened in 20 years. There may be new soldiers in the capital city, but this is not new. These threats, this danger, this war. We've lived with it for a long time, and more so the pain of living for Jesus and risking everything to follow him. There's nothing new about that. Not for me. Not for my grandparents who also lived for him and followed him. That's been the reality for Afghan believers for more than 40 years. First, under the Taliban, and then under the American-supported Afghan government, even before the Taliban took control. Afghanistan has always been a dangerous place for believers. It's just not an option to follow Jesus in public. And yes, now things are worse, worse than before, even if they're not new. When the Taliban took control, it was everything we dreaded. You cannot understand it like I do. I cannot explain it in words. I've lived in this as a little boy. Then, 20 years ago, one night, one man dared to believe freedom had come to stay, and he turned on his stereo. Then another, then another, and then another. Soon, the streets were filled with music, and the sounds of laughter and singing was heard. The night the Taliban took control, I felt someone step into my memories and try to snuff them out, to speak fear to me. In another room, my wife went into labor, and a baby girl was born. A baby girl to a Christian family on a fateful night as this. My father read Psalm 20 over my baby and my wife from the other side of the curtain, where the men were huddled together. Psalm 20 begins, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. A list has been circulated with our names on it. Some have been killed. Some have been kidnapped. Some have disappeared. It feels like the morning after a massive cataclysmic explosion. The lights went out. The party had started that night almost 20 years ago was snuffed out and the music replaced with screams and gunshots and even silence, a sound of nothingness. What we need is for you to replace the sound with the sound of your prayers and your singing on our behalf. The biggest thing everyone asks for is prayer. Pray for us. When you pray, you meet us in the room of God's throne. You meet us there, and we have communion there. For you, it is easy to have communion in your churches. For us, not so. Come to the throne room. Meet us there with the Lord. 
let us hear your prayers and your songs. For us, everything has been taken away. We need you to ask God on our behalf. We feel alone. We cannot speak of our God, but you can. So speak to Him and find Him empower you and us to fight this era of destructiveness and bring His kingdom by being like Him. I do not right now know where to begin, but I will begin with encouraging my wife that there is a hope for our daughter. If you love us, pray for us. Thank God for Sa'ad and Fatima's determination to follow Jesus and to remain in the country. Pray for safety and strength for them and for hope for their baby daughter. Please pray for all Sikh believers in Afghanistan, for protection for those whose identities have already been exposed to the Taliban, and for those who are missing to be found safely. Winter is coming, and as many as 14 million Afghans face rocketing food prices and even possible starvation. Ask God to have mercy and to feed the hungry. Brian, could you keep those prayer points up, please? Syed and Fatima plead for us to pray for them. They say, if you love us, pray for us. How can we not? Can we get into small groups? That would be wonderful. And pray as the Lord leads you. The prayer points I'm hoping are going to appear again. But there are also many facets apart from those, apart from those prayer points um, on the screen. And, but here are two others apart from those. Pray for the young girls and women. Girls and women are more vulnerable under the Taliban rule. Many are afraid that their education will be cut short or will be a cause of shame, not confidence. Some women have been reported to have burned their diplomas to hide the fact that they've received schooling. Pray that the enemy will not rob them of the desire to continue learning and exploring despite the stance of their new leaders on education. And pray for the Taliban. The Bible calls for us to pray for persecutors. Pray for miracles Pray that God will reveal himself to those leaders through dreams, visions, or whatever method he chooses. So if you could just get into groups of, I don't know, whatever you like, three, four, five, or if you prefer to pray on your own, that's fine. But it would be good to pray together. Thank you. It's so good to hear the prayers going up. Perhaps you could just bring them to a close now. to their nations, to their families, to their communities. For the sake of your precious name, Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Luke. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, 
In the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory Glory to to God God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. We can be so familiar with the angel's appearance that we lose sight of what this must have felt like for the shepherds who went to work thinking it would be another ordinary night in the fields. Consequently, we can miss what a joyous scene this really was and what this deeply conveys. The activity that perhaps gives greatest expression to joy is dance, and that's exactly how a group of Christians in Laos Celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas by dancing, says Deng, age 12, as she rehearses for a Christmas service, to show glory to God, sing songs, and worship God with the adults. The desire to celebrate the birth of Jesus is even more inspiring, given that in Laos, Christian activities are heavily monitored by the communist authorities, with many believers at risk of severe persecution. Lord Jesus, may the joy and wonder of the first Christmas dawn afresh on each of our persecuted brothers and sisters during this festive season. We turn to our Bibles and to 1 Peter, chapter 1. The chapter starts with a reminder of the living hope we have in Christ and of the future salvation to come. And then reading from verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do, For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Let's pray together as Paul speaks to us. Lord, we pray for your anointing on Paul as he brings your word to us. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open to what it is that you want to say to us this morning. Amen. One clever preacher once said that the thing that you should always start a sermon with is good news. The good news is I'm only going to be here literally about five minutes. Is that okay? But in reality, it was a privilege to make room for those stories that we've heard, those videos we've seen, the prayers that we've shared. I don't know about you, but hearing those stories from the persecuted church around the world, every time I hear them, always has a kind of incredibly humbling effect. I suspect I'm like you to some degree or other. I wonder as I hear, see what's going on. What would happen if I were in their shoes? Would I be as bold and as brave? Would I speak out or shut up? Would I stand firm in my faith, even against the most enormous odds, or even death itself? 
Friends, I believe that if we grasp this Advent season, the reality of that audacious hope that Peter writes about, we can not only stand where we are, in Minehead in the 21st century, but be assured that if we were called to work where Christians are already persecuted, or if persecution comes to us as it came to them, that we would, no matter what, be bold, speak out about Jesus and stand. When Heronius was emperor of Rome about 400 AD, the Colosseum of Rome was filled every time there was a public holiday with spectators. They'd come from far and near into Rome to see state games. Part of those games pitted humans against wild beasts or humans against one another until one or other was dead. And the assembled multitude seemed to find the greatest height of delight in that sport with the death of a human being. It was on one day when there was a vast crowd watching that spectacle when a Syrian Christian monk by the name of Telemachus stood in the vast arena. Now Telemachus's heart was broken by the utter disregard for the value of human life that he saw. And so he leapt into the arena and in the midst of the gladiatorial show he cried out, This is not right. This thing must stop. Now, because he was interfering with the pleasure of the emperor and the authorities, they gave the command that he be run through with a sword. And that's exactly what happened. And he died. But his death kindled a flame in the hearts and the consciences of the thinking persons of the time. And history records that within that incident, and because of that incident, within a few months, the gladiatorial combats began to decline and stopped altogether. Why? Because one man dared to stand and speak out for what was right. This morning, a challenge to us, is it not, is to consider the absolute boldness of Christian hope. Hope, very much like the world love, is, in my opinion, an overused and misused word that I fear has lost a bit of significance. Because in our comfortable reality, we hope that it doesn't rain. Or we hope that Brighton win the next football game. Have we forgotten, friends, what hope really is? Have we traded boldness for mediocrity? Have we traded the power of the Holy Spirit for the weakness of vain philosophy and empty rhetoric? The empty rhetoric of dying, dry and dead religion. What a testimony it will be to our Lord Jesus Christ if this Advent season, Minehead Baptist Church got audacious hope as a gift and was bold. It comes from God, doesn't rely on empty wishes and isn't fulfilled by the imaginary deities of a secular society. We need Hope, hope that's daring, hope that knows that Jesus came, but one day he will come again. Hope that's audacious and real and living, fuels courageous life. Hope that has little to do with passive wishing and everything to do with radical field action. Hope. What about you? Would you like that gift this Christmas? You don't seem so sure. I would love that gift. Thank you, Lord. In today's reading, thank you, Margaret, for reading that for us, the Apostle Peter admonishes, admonishes us to prepare our minds for action and fix our hope on God. Genuine Christian hope is not passive. It is most definitely active. That's what our Christian brothers and sisters know. In the persecuted church. Genuine Christian hope doesn't wait for tomorrow to see what might become of those in need. It reaches out to bring justice now to those who suffer injustice.
now. Genuine Christian hope is the ingredient that's the yeast of the bread of life. Hope. True Christ-like hope. Nothing short of the most powerful catalyst for change the world has ever known. And in this world today, broken down by a virus, unsure if this new variant will have an effect, indeed unsure if scientists can find a cure, what the world needs now, this Christmas time more than ever before, is the audacious hope of Jesus Christ. Christ-like hope. That despite anything that's happening, calms, fears, restores lives, speaks into a broken world and heals. That will tear down the walls of churches and raise up an army of believers. Not a vain wishing on a star hope, but radical grace-filled hope. So I want to, I want to challenge you at the beginning of this Advent season to fill your heart with that audacious sort of hope to open your eyes to the persecuted brothers and sisters around the world and just let some of that hope in. Surely in a broken world we can do that, can't we? And if not, why? This Advent season, as we look forward to the coming of Christ with anticipation, and we do, Mark's jumper, his Christmas jumper, screams of how he's looking forward. Not sure about the villa reference on it though, but never mind. But we look forward. But more than that, we join with our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world and we declare with one voice, Jesus Christ is coming again. And he is the king of this world, the ruler of this world. Genuine Christian hope is not only incredibly bold, it's also incredibly contagious. And so this is my prayer for you this Advent season. That you look not just to the birth of your king, but to his coming again. And that your life will be filled with opportunities, just as it is true of our persecuted brothers and sisters, to live out genuine Christian hope. Amen. Roy's going to lead us in some worship. We have sung our songs of victory. Well, we have, but now it's time to act. Can I just say on behalf of Jenny and I, thank you so much for praying for our, our persecuted brothers and sisters this morning. It's been a delight to have those prayers being offered up. And just a plug that we're, we're having our Open Doors prayer meeting on Friday at 2.30 in the church lounge. If you're free to join us, please do. It's a wonderful time to learn more about the persecuted church. But meanwhile, and to pray, and to pray. Right, we have sung our songs of victory. as a blessing over each other this morning we're going to join with Christians around the world in three countries and in countries where persecution is rife and use the family prayer as a way to bless all of those and to bless each other because no matter where you are this morning even in the midst of the darkest parts of North Korea this prayer uttered from the heart is a sound of worship. We join with them in worship and blessing as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings deliver them and you from the power of evil to his honour and glory. Amen. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mindhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.